we've been talking about the believer's authority. And today, I really have it on my heart to kind of just put some things together for you. Today's message will really help you on how, how to walk by faith. Because there's some things that you must do. There's, you know, there's really four major things that are encompassed in the walk of faith. So we're just going to talk about that today. And God wants you to lay hold of everything. And you know, for those that were here Wednesday night, uh, Erie and Loretta, they had our Oasis ministry. And uh, on, a, on Wednesday afternoon, Loretta literally went unresponsive, eyes rolled back in her head, body was as stiff as a board. They rushed her to the hospital. She couldn't breathe on her own. They had to put her on a ventilator. They, they, they thought she wasn't going to make it. You know, so we all started praying. And then as a church, we prayed Wednesday night. And then Thursday, Pastor Dave and I went and went to go see him. And when we walked in her ICU room, there's Loretta's beautiful smile. She's up. She's smiling. She's talking. I believe she's home. Yeah, she's home, right? She, yesterday she went home? Yeah, so she went home and she's recovering and, and everything. So praise God. The word is true. The word is true. All things are possible to him who believes. Amen? Man didn't say that. God said that. So go to Romans chapter 10 in verse 17. Romans 10, 17. Step number one, or I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't say step. Let me just say principle number one. When you're walking by faith, you must, number one, secure God's word. You have to secure the word of God on whatever you're believing for. F.F. Bosworth was a powerful minister. He wrote a great book, Christ the Healer. Uh, I would encourage you, if, you don't, if you've never read that, man, it, that's a great book. But F.F. Bosworth said this. He said, faith begins where the will of God is known, right? And so you must know, you can't have faith in something that's not God's will, right? Because faith is for the purpose of laying hold of the grace, well, what's the grace? That's the finished work of Christ. That's healing. That's provision. That's restoration. That's deliverance, right? That's all of the things that Christ's, Christ did when he redeemed us from the entire curse of the law because he was made a curse for us. We lay hold through faith what he's given us by his grace. So you can't just believe God for anything, you have to find out his will. So you must secure the word of God. Okay? Now you have the written word of God that's very clear. But you also have the revealed will of God. And But here's the deal. It's going to be impossible for you to even know or walk in the revealed will of God if you don't submit and live your life under the written word of God. Does that make sense? I mean, this is very important. What is the revealed will of God? You know, there's nowhere in the Bible that told Jeanette and I to move to Omaha, Nebraska, right? And, and be used by God to pioneer a work and, and to birth a new church in this city. That's not in the Bible. 
right? But there are three scriptures that explode in me, like it's hard for me to even say them, right? The first one is Isaiah 54, right? Verse 17, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you'll condemn it. This is your heritage as a child of God because my righteousness is of him. Joshua 1.5, no man will be able to stand before you to block you from doing what I've called you to do. Psalm 1.3, that if I would just meditate in the word day and night, I would be like a tree planted by rivers of water. I would what? My leaf would not wither, right? I would yield all of my fruit in my season. Whatever I put my hand to will be brought to maturity. Those three verses exploded within those, God revealed his will. That's why, you know, Faith Family Church, it cannot be killed because it's not naturally born. It was spiritually born, right? So it will do, it'll just increase. Do you know there's other churches that you might have think, you might think they went away. But when God decides to plant a church in a city, it never goes away. Now, if, if that pastor, if he doesn't do the right thing and he won't, you know, it'll, it'll get messed up. It might even close down. God might have to get somebody else and it might even have a different name, but it's still the same work, right? But we're not going to do that here, right? So there's the written will of God, the revealed will of God. But you have to secure God's word. If you come to me and say, you know, God's telling me to do something, I'm going to ask you, what two or three scriptures are you standing on? Do you have sickness in your body? Right? Because, man, I'm believing God to eradicate sickness from this church. To where when people drive on this property, sickness cannot live in their body. Right? That's what I'm believing God for. That's why we teach the word of God. But if you're believing God for healing, what two or three scriptures are you standing on? Well, you know, I, you know that one in Mark. No, that, that's not going to do it. Right? Well, I'm standing on Galatians 3, verse 13. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. And according to Deuteronomy 28, the curse of the law includes all sickness and all disease and all pain. Psalm 103 he not only forgave all my iniquities, but he healed all of my diseases. Psalm 107.20, he sent his word and healed me. Matthew 8.17, Jesus himself bore my sickness and carried my pain, right? Isaiah 54, right? We could go on and on and on. We secure God's word. And how we, what I mean by secure it, it means that I meditate it, meditate in it to the point where it opens up and light comes, and I see it. And the word speaks to me on the inside. So let's look at Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So this is a little vague in the King James and English because of these Greek words. So like as an example, so then faith, cometh by hearing. The, the Greek word, it's, it literally is the Greek word ek. And what it means is out of. 
You know, when it talks about the church, when Paul talked about the church, he could have used the Greek word that meant through, like we're going to go through the tribulation, but he said, no, 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 he, he, he's going to gather us ek, out of, right? Out of the trib. We're, we're not going to be here for that seven-year period. This is the same Greek word. So then faith comes out of hearing, or you could say it this way, faith originates out of hearing, okay? Hearing. This is an interesting word. It literally means hearing, Bible hearing is where you have a willingness to do whatever God's word says because you have put it first place in your life and you are allowing God's word to speak to your heart. You have to allow that. There's a lot of people that listen, but they don't hear anything. If you're, if you're hearing and you're unwilling to do, like, like Pastor Dave, when he, when he does the message to receive the offering, some great teaching on, on God's method of finances. But if a person sits there and goes, I'm not tithing, I'm not giving, guess what? They don't hear. They, they don't hear the word. They listen to it. And what we pray is, man, someday we hope, because God, he's so good. He doesn't get down on you. He's not upset. He just will keep wooing you, right? And, and he'll try to bring you to a place by instructing you in his word to a place where you trust him. Now, he won't cause circumstances to fall apart in your life to get you in a corner to make you. No, that's Satan. Right? Satan does a, a really good job. This whole world system's designed that way. So then faith comes by or out of or originates from hearing. And hearing, you could say it this way, and hearing, hearing comes out of or originates out of what? The word of God. Now it, it says hearing, it says hearing by the word of God. This is the Greek word dia. It literally means through. So hearing, in other words, comes through the word of God. So in other words, if it's not God's word, it's not hearing. Okay? Because hearing comes through God's word. And faith originates from hearing. So in other words, this is another scripture. Literally, you would read it this way. So then faith comes out of or originates from hearing. And hearing through the spoken word of the anointed one. That's, that's literally what this verse is saying. It's almost like it says it backwards. So in other words, the word of God speaks. The anointed word of God speaks. But remember, God tells you, don't speak any idle words. Don't cast your pearls before swine. He doesn't tell you to do something that he won't do. So that's why you have to, the only way that you could hear is it comes through the word of God. And then faith comes out of hearing. 
Let me say that again. It's, it's very simple, but we've got to grab hold of it. Hearing originates from the spoken word of the anointed one, the word of God, Jesus, right? That's how hearing comes through that. And faith originates out of hearing. So in other words, when you hear the anointed one on the inside of you say, Tony, I sent my word and healed you. I bore that sickness that's in your body and I carried the pain so you don't have to. When I hear that on the inside, faith is right there. I'm now fully persuaded that what God said is true. It, not, it's, like, it's like you hear it on the inside. It's part of you. It causes you to see it. If you keep, as you meditate in that scripture, you will literally start to see the results that, that the word of God does. You'll see it on the inside. Hearing comes through or because of the spoken word of the anointed one. This is the word of God. This is Jesus, right? The spoken word, it goes off in your heart. Faith comes, in other words, by hearing an anointed utterance. God's word, remember, always remember this, it's not true because you see it. It's true because he said it. Right? If you don't see it, it's still true. And oh, I'm telling you, you know, here's the big thing, guys. We have flesh that has an old sin nature in it. And that nature is selfishness and self-centeredness. It manifests in all kinds of pride. And the first thing pride does is blind you. So the thing is, we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. We humble ourselves to, and, and we, we just literally go, okay, Father, Holy Spirit, Jesus, show me what I'm not seeing. Because if I'm in pride in any way, I have a blind spot. You know, there's Christians walking around wreaking terror in their churches, and they think they love God with all their heart. And they're actually being used as a weapon in their church. And they don't even know it. Why? Because they're, they're blind to it. Right? I'm dealing with the situation. Uh, a pastor has a board member that literally won't talk to him. It's a small church. Totally offended by him. Sits in church on his phone on Facebook. Right in front of the whole congregation to let everyone know that I do not respect that man. Wow. I'm so grateful we don't have a board like that. Amen. We wouldn't. I'd be like, dude, guess what? You are out of here. Bye. Have a great life. You could stay if you shut up. Right? But you know, that guy doesn't even know that he's the problem. He thinks everybody else is the problem. We can all be that way. Has God ever revealed that to you? To where you're walking through life and all of a sudden it's like, wow, I didn't see that. I need to change that. Right? 
Faith comes by hearing God's word. So therefore, go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, we're talking about securing God's word. Don't just pray and believe God for something. You get revelation knowledge on two or three scriptures because the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. It is time that we all lay hold of everything that we need, right? So Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23, it says this, let us hold fast. This means to seize hold of the profession of our faith without wavering. Why? Because he is faithful who promised. So I hear the word of God, but then I've got to seize hold of it. I've got to grab hold of the word and never let it go, right? Let me seize hold of the profession of my faith. So what happens is the word of God goes off on the inside of me and I hear it, right? And so now hearing comes through that and then faith originates from that and now I'm in faith. But now, what is faith? I believe the word of God in my heart, but, I, but faith has to be in two places. For it to operate, it's also got to come out of your mouth. So now the word is saying, now you hold fast to the profession of your faith. That's, that word means confession. That word, it's a Greek word, homologeo. You hold, it means to say the same thing. In other words, the word of God is saying, you hold fast you seize hold of saying the same thing that I am saying, God would say to you. If I said, I sent my word and healed you, then you are never to talk about how sick you are. Well, how are you feeling? Man, I don't feel real good right now, but listen, let's not talk about that. That's fleeting. I'm going through this. Let me tell you what I believe. I believe the healing power of God is working and affecting a cure driving out pain, driving out sickness, restoring my body to health. Why? Because I have already believed that I've received my healing. Right? Don't be afraid to say, yeah, I'm not feeling really good. That's all right. But call those things which be not as though they are. But, and do say what the word says. By his stripes, I'm healed. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you meet all of my needs. All of my needs are met. Oh, it might not look like it, but just hide and watch. They'll all be met, right? That's what we're talking about. So securing God's word, it means that you take God's word that is the foundation of the prayer of faith and use God's word to answer the enemy's attacks because he will always come. You have to, see, you can't just say, Satan, get out of here. You have to say, it is written. And so you secure two or three verses that are exploding in you. And when he comes, you, you, you're submitted to God. So now you resist Satan the same way Jesus did. What did he say when he was tempted? It is written. It is written. It is written. The word of God is the final authority. It is truth. Oh, Satan wants the word of God to go away. He want, Do you know, let me just tell you this whole conspiracy theory global agenda here it is you could say all the different things that they want but here it is 
Satan wants God's word out of society. He wants Christians shut up. He'll lock them up. He'll kill them. He doesn't care. He just does not want this message to get out. And to that we say, ha, 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 ha. The gates of hell will never prevail against the church. We didn't say that. God said that. And he's big enough. He's big enough to change everything in your life to look exactly like the word of God. Right? When you look at your life, you should get up in the morning so excited, realizing that all things are possible because you're his child. You've been given his word. You could take the word of God and change everything in your life. I love that. So, Luke chapter 6 and verse 47, it says this. It says, whoever comes to me, hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he is like. He's like a man which built a house. He dig deep and laid a foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, so the flood's going to arise. When the stream beat vehemently upon the house, the storms of life are going to beat on your house. Right? Thank you, pastor. That's so just whatever, right? No, no, that's a great testimony. Bring it, Satan. You can't move me. And the more you bring, the more I'm going to tell everybody how much of a loser you are. Could not shake it. The stream beat vehemently upon the house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. What is the rock? It was founded on the rock. In other words, this word founded, it literally means a foundation was laid on something. On a rock. What what did Jesus say? Right? Jesus said, listen, I'm going to build my church upon the rock, right? That's revelation knowledge of who he is. Again, the word of God, faith comes by hearing. So principle number one, you must secure God's word before you pray the prayer of faith. So many Christians, they just jump into this. Don't be stressed. He always causes you to triumph. He always gives you the victory. You actually have already won the battle that you might just be starting today. Right? Jesus won it for you. So don't get stressed out. Satan loves it to stress you out, get you praying and begging God before you're equipped. No, just relax. Satan, this is not on your timetable. This is on God's timetable. I'm led by him. In him I live and move and have my being. I'm not going to be moved by you at all. I don't care. Right? We might all just not even watch him be thrown in the lake of fire. Who cares? Whatever. We're Satan. Who cares? I don't care when he's in the bottomless pit. I don't care when he's in the lake of fire. I don't care when he's roaming on the earth right now. I don't even care if he's messing with me. Because the Bible says if I'll submit myself to God and resist him with the word of God, he will flee like he's in terror. And he's not fleeing from me. He's fleeing from God. Right? So you got to secure the word of God. Isn't this deep? Right? Then number two, you've got to maintain a pure heart. And this is why the word of God says in Proverbs, it says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of your heart flow the issues of your life. You have to guard your heart. Now remember, when I say heart, what am I talking about? 
your heart, your spirit, but really I'm talking about your mind. So look at this, John chapter 15, verse 7. John 15, 7. It says, if, nightmare, right? This is conditional on us doing something. If you abide in me, wow, isn't that good news? The prayer of faith is based on my relationship with God. Isn't that cool? Because he's for you, always for you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, which tells me the prayer of faith is also based on my relationship with his word. So the prayer of faith is based on his relationship with me and my relationship with his word. Does that make sense? That's really important that you should almost write that in your Bible right next to John 15, 7. That's huge. You should, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask, ask. This Greek word means you shall call for, you shall require, you shall make a demand for. Father, I'm calling for my healing. I'm calling for the finances that you've already provided for me to meet every need. I'm calling for my peace. I'm, I'm, I require my healing today. Why, why is it not ask, God, please give me? Because he already gave you. He already gave it, right? But if you abide in me and, and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever, look at this, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. You'll ask whatever you will. See, when you are abiding in him and his word is, is abiding in you, guess what? Your will and his will become one. So you could ask whatever you will because what you're asking for, what you will, is what he wills. And it shall be done unto you. I love that. Look at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. This would be a great message to outline. Get these scriptures down. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. It says, and this is the confidence that we have in him. Don't you like it how it says in Hebrews, let us, not just me, but let us, we're together. Here it is. And this is the confidence that we have in him. Not just me, but we. We're always together as a child of God, right? This is the confidence that we have in him that if, again, this is conditional on us doing something, if we ask, again, call for, require, and make a demand for anything according to his will, he hears us. Isn't that cool? The God of the universe he can hear you every time you ask him for something that's his will. I mean, he's keeping the universe together. He's God Almighty, and you're his child, and you have his ear. And he completely hears you. And then it says this, verse 15, and if we know that he hear us, whatever we ask, whatever we call for, whatever we require, whatever we're making a demand for, 
we know that we have the petitions we desired of him. That word desired means that we required of him. We know we have it. Why? Because all the promises of God are in Christ, yes, and in Christ, so be it unto me. Man, there, do you sense, can you see why we could make this message part of the authority of the believer? This is how you walk it out. This is how you walk out your, your authority. Look at 1 John, you're in chapter 5, go to chapter 3, look at verses 19 through 21. It says, and hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before God. I love this. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Why is this written? Have you ever went to God and you just didn't have any confidence because maybe your lifestyle, your behavior has not been what it needs to be? You have no confidence. That's why sin, God wants it out of your life because it's a barrier. It, 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 it's a barrier between you and him in fellowship and it causes you to shrink back. It causes you to have no confidence. So today, if you have no confidence, check this out. It says, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. So let me, let me say it a different way. So if your mind today is condemning you, God is greater than your mind and knows all things. Now, why did he write that? Because when you're discouraged, God's word, he knows all things. When you're discouraged, God knows all things and he will come to you and go, hey, hey, you're not condemned. I've made you worthy, holy, unblameable, and unaccusable. Don't beat yourself up anymore. See, he will come when discouraged and tell you, hey, no, 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 stop that. I know all things. I see what my son did for you. I see who you really are. Man, I'm telling you, that'll get the sin out of your life faster than anything else. When you realize, man, his mercy is so much greater than my disobedience, God wants you to come boldly to his throne of grace, to obtain mercy and to find grace to help you in your time of need. Believers need to hear that. We have a big identity crisis in the body of Christ. It says, verse 21 Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God. So in other words, it's going to be impossible for you to have faith if your heart's condemning you. So you want to you hear from him and let him encourage you in the word so that now you have confidence. See, when you believe God for something, you, what, what does that mean? You no longer are believing God for something based on you. You're believing God based on him. And he'll never let you down. If you study the blood covenant, man, I'm, I've been stirred about that. I've studied that so much. I'd love to teach on that again. Do you know who the guarantee of the blood covenant is? We have a blood covenant with God. But we're not the guarantee. Jesus is the guarantee. I don't think he's ever going to mess that up. Right? 
Hallelujah. It's real interesting preaching on Rosh Hashanah because I'm, I'm like, I keep looking at the... Guys, I live a life of expectation. I know some people laugh at me. Some pastors are like, he's not coming back forever. I'm like, man, read your Bible. That's all right. That's all right. Now, if, if he tarries a little bit, I'm not going to say, hey, it's about time. No, I'm not going to ever say that to my Lord, right? Because I know him. It'll be perfect timing. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God and whatsoever we ask and whatsoever we call for, require, or make a demand for, we receive of him. Why? Because we keep his commandments. Now, this is real interesting. It doesn't say, in the King James, it says, because we keep his commandments. It actually says in the Greek, because we keep his commandment, one of them, and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. What is his commandment for us? That we love one another the way he loved us, right? So how do you maintain a pure heart? You got to walk in forgiveness towards your brothers and sisters. You got you to gotta carry nothing, Right? So in order to do that, guess who else you're going to have to walk in forgiveness towards? People in the world, yourself, right? Because it's really, you, you can't, if there's somebody in your life that maybe doesn't know God that really hurts you and you don't forgive them, it's going to be really hard for you to forgive your brothers or sisters and it actually becomes very hard to forgive yourself. But in God, he'll lead you to where you're free. And boy, you could really just, you just walk free. In other words, your confidence towards God is based on the purity of your heart. Keeping his commandment is connected to your heart, not condemning you. Keeping his commandment is connected to your heart or your mind, not condemning you. Does that make sense? God corrects us with his word which brings us into confidence with him. Everything God does. When his word, has his word ever kind of slapped you a little bit? Yeah. And the reason why it feels good is because it brings you into confidence. And when the Lord's like, hey, Tony, we need to talk. This has to be fixed right now. And it's always through the word. I see something in the scripture, I'm like, here we go again, right? But it, it feels good because it brings me into confidence with him. It makes me realize I'm not condemned. This is such good, this is good preaching. <laughs> Knowing you are in fellowship with God produces confidence. Knowing you're in fellowship with God produces confidence. See, we're in relationship with him. But you got to know you're in fellowship with him. Right? Right? You could, have you ever had a person that you're in relationship with? They might be a loved one. They might be part of your family, but there's no fellowship because they hate you or don't want to talk to you. But confidence comes when you know that not only, yeah, you're God's child, that's great, but you got to know, listen, I'm in fellowship with him. He's with me right now. 
He's hearing me right now. He's walking with me right now. I'm in fellow. That builds confidence in him. I love that. So now we're ready to go to Mark chapter 11. We're talking about securing the word of God. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. It says, and Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. In other words, the context of this passage is how to operate in the faith of God which is actually the title of our sermon today. So to have faith, all you have to do is hear the word of God and believe it. The Bible never tells you to get more faith. It always tells you to use the faith that you have. The only place that speaks in the New Testament of the amount of faith is it likens faith to the grain of a mustard seed. If you've ever seen a mustard seed, it's like a piece of, like a little splinter that it would get caught between your tooth. I mean, it's really tiny, but yet it grows into this big tree. So in other words, the smallest amount of faith will produce the biggest results. So God's not, don't get into, because Satan will always tell you, you need more faith. Oh, if you just had as much faith as Pastor Tony. No, 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 no. Oh, if you just had as much faith. It's always the carrot, but no. The Bible doesn't talk about getting more faith. It talks about you having the faith that you use. It's not about how much faith. It's about how strong you stand in faith. Verse 23 is going to now talk about how faith, the faith of God operates against something coming at you. Something the enemy's bringing against your life. It's not coming from God and this is how you are to deal with it. For verily I say to you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, notice when things come against you, you don't need to talk to God about it, you talk to it. Be removed, be cast into the sea. You shall not doubt in your heart, but shall believe that those things which you say shall come to pass. You'll have what you say. That's how the faith of God operates against something. Right? This is, this is very important. Then, verse 24 talks about how the faith of God operates to receive something through prayer. So to receive something from God. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, interesting thing, that is the same Greek word many times that is tr uh, translated ask. It means, therefore, what things soever you call for, make a demand for, and require, right, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. In other words, you'll have what you believe you've received when you prayed. What am I going to have? What am I going to have in this physical realm, in my body, in my life? I'm going to have what I believe that I've received the moment I prayed. Okay? So what do you do with sickness and disease? You do Mark eleven twenty three, and Mark eleven twenty four. You you speak to the sickness, and you command it to leave, because it is written. And you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe when you say it, it will come to pass. You'll have what you say. God will move that mountain of sickness out of your body. And then what do you do, Father? I thank you that it is written. You redeem me from this. Jesus carried this sickness. I don't have to. So right now I just believe that I receive my healing. And I thank you that your healing power is working in my body, healing and affecting a cure in me from the tip of my head to the soles of my feet. 
See, we look at, man, I'm telling you, I just got a diagnosis that it's over. There's nothing that can be done for me. I, well, I just got a diagnosis. I woke up this morning and I have a sniffly nose. What is the difference to God? If he's the healer, there is no difference. This is the God who is holding the whole universe together right now. I think he could change, give you a new heart, give you a new organ, clean out your arteries. I, he, I mean, he could heal. I mean, there is no natural cure for pancreatic cancer, but there is a real cure for it. It's called the redemptive work of Christ. So now, this is why as you walk with him, as you secure the word, the righteous are as bold as a lion. Why? Because they have confidence. They're in faith. All of a sudden, now what I'm receiving from God is not based on me anymore. Mark chapter 4 tells us in the parable of the sower, it's the word that does the work, not us. Right? Now look at what it says, verse 25. This is a big part of how to walk by faith. you got to keep a pure heart. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any. This means if you have anything against a certain person. It literally means, in the Greek language, it means if you have something against a specific person. And you know as well as I am, if there's somebody in your life that you've got something against, you know it. You, you're not like, yeah, I'm walking in unforgiveness. I just wonder who it is. No. You're like, man, I know exactly. Right? They walk in the room and you're like, Ooh. Right? You even fantasize about if bad things happen to them, how happy you would be. Could, could a Christian do that? Yeah, if you get in your flesh. Yeah. Why am I saying that? We got to guard. When you stand praying, forgive. This is the most concise teaching on how to operate in the faith of God. And Jesus listed unforgiveness as the number one opposition to faith. Why? That your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Now, everybody said, wow, that's pretty rough, Pastor. Thank God it's 10.01 because maybe we have another year. <laughs> Whew! I might have missed the rapture. No, if you're born again, you're in unforgiveness, you're still going, buddy. Amen. Yeah, it's a day of remembrance, right? Was that good? That was kind of cool, just the way I said, you know, th there we go. So let's look at this verse here, because this freaks a lot of Christians out. Because I'm like, okay, I haven't forgiven somebody, so does that mean I'm not saved? Right? So let's look at this. So we must look at what God said in verse 25 in the context of the passage. What is the context? The context of the passage is operating in the faith of God. Okay? Jesus is saying that the number one hindrance of, to faith operating effectively is unforgiveness. That's what he's saying. This is not referring to the judicial forgiveness of sins and the sin nature that was taken care of at the cross or when a person is born again. It's not talking about that, okay? That is strictly a matter of grace through faith. 
You and I were forgiven of all of our sins, right? By grace. It had nothing to do with something that we decided to do. So you got to keep this right. This, is, this context, if you study biblical interpretation, you got to keep it in line with the context. This is strictly a matter of grace through faith when you're talking about judu- the judicial sins that in my life that were, wa- were wiped away when I was born again. This forgiveness is referring to God's parental dealing with his children. It's dealing with the decision to stay in unforgiveness in a believer's life breaks fellowship with the Father and it will hinder the flow of his blessings into your life. It's impossible for his blessings to flow if fellowship is hindered because you're choosing to be in unforgiveness when he tells you not to. It's, it's dealing with God's parental dealing, right? And the minute you hear this, you've all heard this, you will no longer be able to have confidence because the word just told you you couldn't, right? See, this is not saying that God hasn't once and for all condemned your past, spiritual death, and all of the sins that flowed out of that if you don't forgive others. Your salvation's not based on you, it's based on Jesus. Okay? Amen. Boy, I'm glad I came to church today. So in other words, your willingness to forgive, what does it do? It triggers God's mercy regarding your faith in action. Let me say this again. Your willingness to forgive triggers God's mercy regarding your faith in action, regarding operating in faith. So we've just rightly divided this scripture that everybody just kind of reads over really fast because they don't want to, oh, if I don't forgive, then, you know, right? No, we got to rightly divide these things. God's forgiveness towards you cannot work in the context of faith unless you operate in forgiveness. That's what he's saying. I got to read that again too. God's forgiveness towards you cannot work in the context of faith unless you operate in forgiveness. Okay? In other words, your unforgiveness stops the power of God from working for you through faith. It's exactly, I better read that again too, right? Your unforgiveness stops the power of God from working for you through faith. So, principle number one, what do you got to do? Tell me. Secure God's word. Principle number two, what is it? Maintain a pure heart. Aren't these deep? Number three, here he goes. You ready? Know your enemy. You got to know how he works. You got to know how he comes. John 10.10 says what? The thief, he comes but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. See, what is, why, did, why did Jesus say it that way? He comes to steal the word of God from a believer so that he could now kill and destroy. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. 
2 Corinthians 2.11 says this, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We have to know our enemy. What are the devices? It's the Greek word noemata. It means mind games. He comes against your mind. It means a tormenting and confusing mind games. It talks about the scheming of the mind. That's how he works. So 1 Peter 5.8, 1 Peter 5.8 says this, be sober. That means think clearly, not like a drunk person. We don't want hands, but if anybody's ever been drunk, have you ever noticed you could see a drunk person driving down the street at night? They think they're going 95 and they're going 20. Right? And they think they're in the middle of those lanes, but they're kind of going around like this, right? Our officers have probably seen some of that. Other times, they think they're going 20 and they're going 90. They're not thinking clearly, right? Be sober, in other words, think clearly, and be vigilant. Be ever on your guard. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walks about, Seeking whom he may devour. He can't devour everybody. Ephesians chapter 4 in verse 27 says this. Neither give place to the devil. So if you want to live your life not giving place to the devil, I would encourage you not to go to the places where the devil is very active. Right? This is, we'd give him no place. The big part of giving him no place is watching what you say. Don't promote him. Don't ever let him use your tongue. James 4, 7, you guys know this. The word of God says, submit yourself, therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So then we learn something else in John chapter 8 about the devil. John chapter 8 and verse 44. So we see he comes against the mind to play mind games to try to confuse you. Right? You got to know your enemy. What else, what else do we need to know about him? John 8, 44. Jesus said when he was on the earth, he spoke to religious leaders and he says, you are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. So guess what? This is another thing. He's a murderer. Right? right? In the beginning. That's when God created everything. And abode not in the truth. He does not. He hates the word of God. Right? Even if you look at 1 Peter 5.8, your adversary, the devil... Do you know the proper noun is the word adversary? One who is violently opposed to righteousness. You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. So why listen to him ever? There's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar 
and the father of it. So now we see the one thing that Satan has invented, lies. So when you're believing God and you have thoughts firing in your mind, you're not healed, this is not working out, this is over, you almost feel like you should go, thank you, Satan. I must be closer than I've ever been because you're a liar, right? You can't do that, Tony. There is no way. You can't preach 60 minutes. You can't allow the Holy Spirit to, to move. You can't give him that place. You'll never be able to do any. You'll have this little church that will do nothing. You'll never lie, lie. Thank you. Thank you for confirming. We're going to stick with God. We're going to let him build the church. Hide and watch, Satan. You're a liar right? You can't have my kids. You can't have my grandkids. You can't have me, right? So principle number one, secure the word of God. Principle number two, maintain a pure heart. Principle number three, know your enemy. Man, you're 75% there. That's awesome. Principle number four, resist doubt and fear you got to resist it. Now, I'm not going to take a lot of time because, man, we've been living in this verse on Wednesday night about building spiritual strength. But go to Ephesians chapter uh, 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, now to the most important thing that I'm going to say, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Finally, my brethren, now to the most important thing I'm going to say to you, be continually strengthened inwardly in the Lord. I'm literally quoting a literal verse of this in the Greek. Be strong in the Lord, be continually strengthened in the Lord, and in the power of his might. You could say it this way, and in the strength of his ability. But the thing you got to see is it's be strong in the Lord. This is in the locative tense in the Greek. That means there's only one place that you will find his strength and his ability, and that is in the Lord. Amen. Right? Verse 11, put on or be endued with the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Stand against. That, that, that word literally means that you may be able to survey the battlefield. When you allow the word of God, which is revelation knowledge, the armor of God is revelation knowledge of his word, right? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the anointed word of God. When that, when that word is manifesting upon you, it's the armor of God. It will lift you up, and you'll see Satan coming from far away. He'll never be able to sneak up on you. That you may be able to stand against, in other words, you stand face to face with him, we never run from the devil. When you get in a hard place in your life and you just want to run, I want to leave the church, I want to leave my job, I'm moving to another place, that's the natural thing. You just hold and you stop and you take a deep breath and go, wait a minute, I am not moving unless he moves me. Amen. Right? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to wait. Now, I'm not saying that he might not move you. But I'm never going to be moved 
because I'm never going to run from something because I am to stand face to face with him against the wiles of the devil. Wiles, he travels down one road one way. We know the way. The word devil exposes it. It's the Greek word diabolos, dia. How does he travel? He plays mind games. Dia, he, throw, he, he wants to penetrate through your mind so that he could play mind games with you. How does he do that? By abolos, by throwing thoughts, blow after blow after blow. So the word of God says be endued with the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Oh, great. People are never our problem. I'm never going to fight a person. I'm going to fight what's behind them. Okay? But against we do fight against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. How do we fight them? Listen, they're already defeated. Jesus defeated them and stripped them. How we fight them is we have to take those thoughts captive. Right? You can't win a spiritual battle with carnal weapons. You can't come against Satan with a gun. It's a natural weapon. It, he's not, it's spiritual. But we have spiritual weapons. It's called the word of God. So he tells us to take the armor of God upon ourselves. If you want to know more about that, just go to Wednesday night service. But it says, you know what, here, I'm just going to read it really quick. Take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. You have to have the belt of truth on. You have to have the truth of God's word surround your thought life so that you believe right. You, you, you act right. You hear right. All of these things. Having on the breastplate of righteousness, you must have revelation knowledge that you've been made the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. And your feet shod with the preparation, that means the firm foundation of the gospel of peace. It represents the peace of God that mounts guard over your heart and your mind, which keeps you fixed and immovable. You can't be moved. Right? Above all or in front of all, you take the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench or extinguish all the fiery darts of the wicked one. What are those? Those are thoughts, right? When we believe God's word in our heart and confess God's word out of our mouth, it'll stop every thought that the enemy brings against us. It's just, it takes them captive. And take the helmet of salvation. That represents the mind being renewed with the word of God. And the sword of the spirit, which is... Let me say it correctly, not just the word of God, it's the rhema word of God, it's the spoken word. You, to use your sword, you've got to speak God's word, right? Spiritual warfare is of the mind, the thoughts, the imagination, the stronghold. He'll throw thoughts to capture your imagination so that he can get you to build a stronghold. Our warfare is to stand against the wrong thoughts that Satan throws at us. He'll bring thoughts of doubt. He'll challenge and question what you believe. He'll always come against what you believed you've received when you prayed. Right? That's why you need to secure God's word. 
Satan always tries to reason you out of something that is already yours. He'll try to tell you you're not healed when you got healed back in AD 30 or 32, whatever, right? Satan tries to tell you that you don't have what you already have. Satan will tell you God's word is not true. See, there's a big difference between God showing you something on the inside and Satan speaking to you from the outside. As you renew your mind, you'll be able to discern that. Is this coming from the inside or outside? Right? You identify God's voice by the things that you know on the inside. Boy, this is so big. You, you identify God's voice by what you know on the inside. So if you don't have any word on the inside because you're not in it and it's not living in you, you won't know God's voice. Right? The biggest battle in our mind is against these doubts and these preconceived ideas that guess what? The word is just not going to work for me this time. Right? And I've said this, how many, you've heard me say this if you've been around here. Your thought life is going to be governed by the things you observe, right? By your associations, the people you associate with, and by the teaching that you sit under. So be careful what you observe tonight, right? When you're observing a football game, when that commercial comes on about your diabetes and your depression and, and all... Mute that thing. Be careful what you hear. There's no life in that stuff, right? Our thoughts are affected greatly by our senses. Satan attempts, he wants to plant and nurture thoughts so that he can control your mind. See, if he controls your mind, then he has control of your emotions, which drive you, right? Thoughts come from God through our spirit to our mind. But with the enemy, he throws them directly in our mind. Deception happens when a person simply believes the devil's lies. Right? So, in other words, the key to winning your faith battle is going to come down to controlling your thoughts. Doubt will always cause you to think wrong. Right? See, if your faith was not working, Satan would completely leave you alone. So if you're believing God for something and he is all over you, realize he's concerned because he can't stop it from coming to pass. We must resist every doubt. F.F. Bosworth, the same guy that says faith begins where the will of God is known, he also said this, doubt your doubts and believe God's word. You must speak to doubt. You got to speak to it. Doubt, I speak to you in the name of Jesus. Leave me in the name of Jesus, for it is written. Right? You must speak to fear. Fear, I command you to leave me in Jesus' name, because it is written, the righteous are as bold as a lion. I do not have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Right? So, what are the four things? Secure God's word. Keep a pure heart. Maintain a pure heart. Know your enemy. And look at the fourth one. Resist doubt and fear. Could it be that simple? It is. 
because you are a world overcomer. Amen?